This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> My name is Billy Eichner, and I feel over the goddamn moon about being Conan <laughs> O'Brien's friend. That's the angriest anyone's ever said that. Well, How you feeling today? <laughs> over the goddamn moon! I am so fucking grateful. <laughs> Thanks for throwing me a bone. A crumb. Fall is here, hear the yell. Back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, the never-ending quest to find someone. <laughs> who will meet with me outside of a podcast mm -hmm. studio. You'll get there. And no share a bowl it. of soup. Everyone in here, have you noticed this? Everybody in here talks a good game. Yeah. Not much happens outside the podcast studio. No. And the times that I reach out, well, let's just say I don't hear much back. Really? There have been a couple of times where you've actually had a thing with the guests, like, oh, I'm really going to talk to you. We're going to go out to dinner and that kind of thing. And th those have not happened. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And I, this is something I learned in the old late night game. I'd get fooled because they'd come out, you know, would welcome the guest and the guests would come out, the star would come out and they'd lock eyes with me and smile and embrace me and sit and hang on every word. And those are all the cues that you get in high school when someone really mm. likes you. Mm. But I'm in a fake environment. Yeah. Uh. And so afterwards I'd think, you know, who really likes me, mm. Harrison Ford. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> gotta be tough. He thinks I'm the bee's knees. Oh. He hung on every word. And then later on, when I see him squeezing avocados at a Ralph's oh. and I jump out, 
and say, it's me, your old buddy, and hug him. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm getting karate chopped in the throat right. by a rugged leading man. Oh, man. He's That's scared. not right. Oh. Now, some people have said, don't jump out at people and hug right, them. Right, right. Approach quietly yeah. and introduce yourself as a grown-up. But no, yeah. I think the flaw is not with me. Well, you said in the very beginning you want to share a bowl of soup. So I think that's problematic too. Yeah. I don't think you should text people and be like, hey, you want to share a bowl of soup? Something that involves slurping and hunched shoulders. <laughs> and germs going into the same bowl. It's just, I don't know. You got to, I, you got to get a new approach. Yeah. Why don't you do what everybody else is doing and play pickleball or something? Yeah. You know what? I don't know this pickleball thing. Either. Oh. And I've had people explain it to me. My sister-in-law is deep. And I know that it's become kind of a mania. Yeah. Everyone's playing pickleball. My only question is, do you have to take off your shirt. What? Why? Well, I know I saw a photograph somewhere of people playing pickleball and they were all stripped to the waist. What? Oh, Just the fellas, but I thought, well, I, I can't take off. I think that I haven't was been able hide to take the off. pickle. What's that? I think that was hide the pickle. You always go to the same place, you dirty, dirty man. <laughs> I just want to make sure that I'm, I always have to be dressed uh, like in a suit. Right. Whatever I play. Like oh, a full. Like a, a real jock. Suit. Yeah. Like a business suit. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know that. I don't know anything about the game, Me but either. people go nuts for it. Yeah. Sweeping the nation. Well, it I, sounds like a room full of non-pickleball players. So I, yeah. good I've, I've played going it here. a couple times. I'm sorry. Oh. I mean, I have played it with, like, my sister-in-law is really into it. And when you get into it, you get into it. I think it's like playing tennis, but it's not as much movement. And so it feels like you're, it, it, it's still athletic, but it's not like, it's not tennis. Is it just boomer tennis? It might be kind of It's slacker ten tennis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's tennis, but there's no one has to really move. Or um, and at any moment you can just walk away, but still insist on getting paid. And it's doubles usually. <laughs> Wait a minute, I switched topics. <laughs> it became about the economy. These kids today. Yeah. This reminds me, and this is just completely random, but you know that Sony used to play dodgeball. Yeah, yeah. Did we talk about that here? Uh, I don't think we did. I think it was, I think <clears throat> this I started post-dodgeball Sona life. When Sona... Uh, you know, back in the day, pre-podcast, um, this is before you met your husband, the wonderful Tack. Mm -hmm. Sona was in a dodgeball league. Yeah. And the thing I remember the most is every time I asked her, how did it go? She'd say, oh, I got red carded. Yeah. Because she was constantly <laughs> losing it I on bet. people. I was. And this is something that I want to explain because people listen to the podcast and I've had people come up to me and say, oh, you know, Sona is such a saint that she puts up with your, <laughs> oh, you your foolishness. Oh, you destroy that right now. No, okay. no, not destroy it. But people have this idea that, oh, Sona's got a book out that's doing really well and Sona's this Times and Sona's that. What they don't- I'm an author. Mm, really? Is New York Times bestseller really a way to tell how a book's doing? Oh, wait. <laughs> It says here it's exactly the way to tell how a book's doing. Okay. It's actually New York Times, which is a watch store in Times Square. <laughs> it's on their bestseller list. Um, no, but she's had all this success and she's, you know, she's got her own. You're probably selling foods now. What? Uh, you know, oh, on the internet. Yeah. No, uh, doing the least amount of work I can. But anyway, people have, don't realize that. Sona has a terrible temper mm. and it just, when there, you can hear it snap. Had. You had, now, did it go away? It. Be honest. There's very few people that can bring it out of me and you are one of them. Oh. But mo for the most part, I'm pleasant to everybody else except 
when like like this I'm just putting a finger up I know. to make a yeah. point I know but you do things and you just like press these little buttons okay and you know what to do and it uh and I start to see red but be honest <laughs> would you say that when you would lose your temper this is before this wonderful life that you have now you'd really um I go fucking crazy you go fucking crazy <laughs> and I've I seen it ha- like I've seen it happen physical. I never got physical. I never like got We've into a fight. We've talked about this on the show. I've yelled at a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. But I, I think now I've <clears throat> seen her transform. I haven't seen that side of you in quite a while. I do breathing exercises now. That's mm. serious. I do breathing exercises. And this is for your temper? <laughs> yeah. Have I mean, your but, kids seen it? Have when, they seen mom lose it no, yet? No, they, no. They, I really don't want to lose it in front of them. I uh, Like if I'm on the road and I'm driving and someone cuts me off or like upsets me, I just immediately just start breathing. If someone pisses me off. I've been in the passenger seat with Sona when someone would just slightly cut us off. And what she says, what she always says, which is the the clue that she's been triggered is, really? <laughs> she goes, really? And then she suddenly, uh, you're Gene Hackman in The French Connection. <laughs> you're driving about 150 miles an hour through 1970s New York, wow. which is strange. Impressive. Yeah, she oh actually changes the time space around us. And you're going under that raised uh, subway that's no longer there. Yeah. Suit. And yeah, exactly. And, and we're, she's like, really? And then we're going and I'm with her. A national treasure <laughs> oh. who could be lost at any moment. Oh, God. But anyway, it's uh, it's horrifying. Oh, well, don't, but you're not that person anymore. I'm not. But can you admit that you do things sometimes to just rile me up? My guest you, today is a very oh. funny actor and comedian. Nice. Oh, we got to get going. Now. I know, we, but we you do. know you do. Oh. You know you do. Nope, not at all. You know you do. Nope. He's ben, doing it right he's now. He's doing it right now. Go, Maybe a little less Gabby Gabby oh, right oh, now. Go, Sona, go. Unleash. <laughs> go. It's like the Let whole, it out. I mean, Let it out. Let it out. Oh, Maybe you should just. I think the cones is laughing at you. Maybe a little less talky I think the cones is laughing at you. I'm going to breathe. Maybe a little less Sona talk. <laughs> That's a breathing exercise? Yeah, I think you're giving birth. You're like a hobo sleeping under an apple tree. <laughs> well, that was a good pie I stole. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. You know that you are the worst. Right. You know that you are. That's okay, though. I'm the best at being the worst. My yes. guest today, very funny actor and comedian, you know, from Billy on the Street. Now he stars in the hilarious new movie, Bros, which he also co-wrote and produced I'm Excited. He's here with us today. Billy Eichner, welcome. Billy, first of all, I adore you and I'm so thrilled that you're here. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, uh, on on the podcast. I was like a good boy doing my research today. Not mm. that I have to, because I know you so well and I've been a fan for so long. And then this little tidbit comes across my page as I'm scanning through info on you and bio stuff that you were a waiter for a while. And I was thinking (laughs) you as a waiter would terrify the shit out of me. (laughs) I was a terrible waiter. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. I I didn't last long. Uh Um, I waited tables in New York uh, when I was a struggling actor. You know, I, a lot of my friends were doing that. So they got me a job waiting tables. They were all pretty good at it. And I was terrible. And then I remember the manager after one of my first training days, I sat down at the bar 
And I was just, my brain was fried. I have so much respect for waiters in yes, Manhattan, yes, me too. especially. Yeah. I mean, the cust- I'm a native New Yorker. I love New York more than anything, but we can be awful, um, <laughs> you know, especially, you know, the rich ones. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, that's just the truth. I experienced it. And then I, so I sat down at the bar at the end of the day and the manager came up to me, this very nice young woman. And she said, you had a really hard day, huh? You know, because she saw I was struggling. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. And I quickly kind of pivoted to being a bartender, which was a much better job. Well, that's the other thing is a surly bartender. There's something cool and edgy about a surly bartender. And it makes sense to me because you're asking for your alcohol. And if they're, they treat you badly, it somehow makes sense to me. Yeah. You know I mean? like, well, oh, here's your alcohol. The bartender, the bartender has power. Yes. You know, like people want that drink. There's only one of you or two of you. So they want your attention. It's kind of, it's a much sexier job. Yes. yes. Tom got, Cruise and cocktail. I was yeah. just thinking cocktail because oh, we're the yeah. same generation. And also all I think about is that movie cocktail oh. all, all the, time. the time. You know, what was also from that movie cocktail Kokomo. Yes. By the Beach Boys. Yeah. yeah. Gonna take it fast and then, then we'll take it slow. That's where we want to go. Way down to Coca, Bermuda, Jamaica. All right. Gonna- anyway, they all, vote, they all vote for Trump, so fuck them. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think most of the Beach Boys are MAGA. Yeah. Oh, Beach man. Boys or Proud Boys would be a fun game to play. Not the John Stamos, probably. <laughs> He, he plays the drums. The Beach Boys, it's the only rock group I've ever gone to see where they were. I came, they all came out and they were wearing blue blazers. Uh, <laughs> by the way, the only rock group you've ever seen is the Beach Boys? No, no. They, oh, that they had came, blue blazers. Oh, that blue, okay, they had blue, blue blazers. blazers. Yeah. I see. I and they see. weren't, and I never did go see them. Uh, you know, I was yeah. painting a little bit of a word picture there. I see. But um, I think you as a waiter, I just find, if you came up to my table, mm-hmm. said, what, do you want to hear about the specials? Yeah. Do you want to hear about them? I'd be so intimidated. I'd yeah. say, you just tell us what we're going to eat, and then I'm going to leave the money and not even eat oh, it. What do you want, a beverage, you fucking asshole? <laughs> <laughs> what do you need, an extra spoon? Go fuck yourself. I want to compliment you because- Thank you. You can't- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all we have. Well, hell, I've been waiting to hear that. Yes. But you didn't say even, that to BJ you're even, Novak. You're not even curious what the compliment is. I love that. No. No interest. Any you're just compliment. happy it's a compliment. Yep. No, uh, first of all, I've known you a long time, uh, always consistently hilarious. And then you did this podcast way back in June of 2019. So that's like a, a long time, even before COVID. Right. And when you were on that podcast, first of all, you said you had mixed feelings about being my friend, which is fine. I've evolved. You've evolved. <laughs> yes, the culture has evolved. <laughs> you know, during COVID, I sat around, I did some real soul searching. And I said, maybe I am okay with Conan O'Brien existing in the world. <laughs> well, so one good thing came out of COVID. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, no, but on, on the uh, on that podcast, you s- described this project that you were working on, mm-hmm. and let me tell you something. Everybody does that. I mean, you came on and you said, "Well, I have this dream, which is you wanted to make this movie, mm-hmm. and you wanted to me uh, make a romantic comedy, you know, a gay romantic rom com." Yeah. And I thought, okay, yeah, but everybody says they've got a project in mind that they're that's going to be available someday in the future if all goes well. Right. Here you are now, back on the podcast. 
And you've made the movie and you're promoting. We made the movie. It is coming out. It's not only coming out, it's coming out in a wide release made by Universal Studios in thousands of theaters all over North America. And then strangely, the world. Right. Um, except the countries that are homophobic, which is interesting. It, I, wait. There so, won't be a Saudi Arabian premiere of my gay rom-com <laughs> well, wait, anytime that, soon. I, that's where I wanted to see it. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I did. I called the Cineplex Odeon in Saudi Arabia Aww. and I... I've said I want my ticket to Bros. No, nope. the uh, Billy Eichner groundbreaking uh, rom com. You booked the and, ticket, and they were kept saying it is not available. And yeah. I said that's that's a glitch. Nope, not a glitch. That's just uh, how it is in certain parts of the world. Um, but I'm happy that it's getting released elsewhere mm-hmm. where they don't hate gay people. But this is landmark because first of all, I mean, I want to talk about the whole arc of your career. Because that's the kind of time we have. Yeah, I've booked six hours for this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to need more than that, but okay. <laughs> no, I looked into it. Six hours will cover it. <laughs> um, but I'm very excited for you because your mission statement with this movie was you said you're not interested in depicting a version of queer life that is palatable. Mm-hmm. And I thought that is so intriguing and fascinating to me. Talk about that a little bit. Well, Bros, which is the rom-com I have coming out, produced by Judd Apatow, who, as all of you probably know, has made some of the funniest movies of the past 20 years, Bridesmaids and Trainwreck and 40-Year-Old Virgin, and the list goes on and on. And I wrote it with Nick Stoller, and Nick directed it, and he directed Sarah, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Neighbors. And, you know, these guys have a great legacy of making great comedies. And... Nick came to me uh, back like five years ago and said, I want my next movie to be a romantic comedy, but I think it would be cool if it was about a gay couple. Mm -hmm. But he acknowledged that he's not gay. And he asked me if I would write it with him and I could star in it if all went well and he would direct it. And I said, obviously, yes, a huge opportunity, one that I never saw coming in my life. But the first thing I said to Nick is even before I knew what the story of the movie would be, I said, it has to be authentic, right? You can't just make When Harry Met Sally and think you can just swap in two gay guys and have the story play out the same way because it wouldn't. Because, you know, yes, there is a lot of overlap in straight relationships and gay relationships, but also it is a little different. Mm -hmm. Two men together is different. And there's a lot of comedy to be mined from that. And also a lot of, you know, uh, poignant moments and more thought-provoking moments and It's just a different experience. And I think a lot of the LGBTQ characters we've seen and we're seeing way more, obviously, than we used to, especially in streaming and and in indie films and on the Internet, of course. And that's fantastic. That is a wonderful thing. But so much of it is done with an eye towards making us these like cutesy two-dimensional characters that really are nothing like the actual gay men I know in my life. Right. Or like me. You know, I watch a lot of those shows and I a lot of those sitcoms. And even when they're very funny, I I think, I don't know who those people are. You know, I those are gay characters designed to not freak out straight people. Right. Mm. And I give straight people a lot more credit than that. I have a lot of straight friends. My show, Billy on the Street, that I've done for years has a huge fan base among straight people. Conan, you are theoretically straight. You know, you've you've always (laughs) Uh, been a fan. I go in and out. I don't know what that means. Everyone does now. You you find some guys attractive, I think. And you've spoken very openly about it. I'm very open about, you know, there are men where I totally get it. Yeah. And, And like Brad Pitt, I just think like that. 
that's a really good looking guy. Yeah. You know, so and I, then I I've, call him and it gets weird. Oh, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, and then, you know, sure. you're, well, I won't go there. But, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just did. <laughs> yeah. I went there in my head. Um, but, yeah, I just thought, I don't think we're giving straight people enough credit. Like, funny is funny. If you yep. make a really funny Judd Apatow movie that happens to be about a gay couple, then straight people will love that. And it's not only funny, it's kind of fascinating. Yes. Because you're getting a peek into a, a world, a culture of dating, of love, of sex that you think you might know, but you don't really know. Right. And that was really important to me. I thought that would be exciting and hilarious. And I'm happy to say so far, you know, when we do early screenings of the movie, a lot of the audience is straight. Most of the world is still straight uh, and they love it. It's really funny. It's just a fucking funny movie. Okay. What's the language? Uh, Why? Because I'm gay. <laughs> yes. It's okay when straight people swear. BJ Novak said every curse word on here. What? Well, I think I'm pretty evolved, but I still believe yeah. that gay people shouldn't swear, but okay. straight people should. Okay. Hi, I'm Conan O'Brien, and I just got canceled. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Newsmax. <laughs> the new home of Conan O'Brien. That's the only thing I've carved out, is yes. that swearing is only for straight yes. people. Um, no, but is it possible mm -hmm. that uh, the first wave of representation in, you know, on sitcoms needed to be that way, that there needed to be an evolution or there needed to be a first wave that was more, I want to just say user-friendly yeah. for people that, you know, starting in like, I don't know, the late 80s, early 90s, it just, and this is the way it kind of maybe had to lay out where now we can get the point where you, Billy, can make a movie that really is telling it from a real point of view yeah. as opposed to, uh, let's water this down. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. There has been an evolution and I'm really grateful that you know, when I went to Judd and Nick and, and I said that I wanted it to be really authentic. It's a Judd Apatow movie. His movies are like wild and raunchy and fun and also very heartwarming and uplifting. And I just said it once. I wanted it to be all of those things. And there's no reason it shouldn't be. And they said, yeah, let's just go for it. Like if it's honest, it'll be funny and relatable to everyone. And we're just in a weird industry that made two movies about a talking hedgehog before they made one gay rom-com. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So um, I have my own hedgehog movie coming out. No one worried about whether or not Sonic the Hedgehog was relatable. <laughs> we made 50 movies about dinosaurs. Prehistoric, <laughs> extinct creatures, and we never made one gay rom-com. Nobody said, God, I hope that Velociraptor is endearing to straight people. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. So the Velociraptor is going to rip off the kid's throat. And then yeah. shoot acid into his eyes yeah. to blind him. No one ever said, is middle America ready for dinosaurs? <laughs> but that's the question that lingers over a movie about like two actual human beings right. <laughs> who walk the earth, you know, meeting and falling in love and, you know, driving each other crazy the way, you know, people do. So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. 
I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not uh-huh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it It's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not, that's more people than are on earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. (laughs) (laughs) That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Thinking right.
right now, because it's something I wanted to address, is that there's so many people out there that would look at you right now, coming out with this movie and having the career that you have, that would say, okay, Billy, how do I get where you are? How do I achieve what you've achieved? And one of the things that you've done that I'm a big believer is that you took control. You know, I went to Northwestern. I was a theater major. You know, I just wanted to be kind of a typical actor. I never even thought of myself as a writer or a comedian. Um, Then I got to New York. I mean, I grew up in New York and then after college, went back to New York to start my career, quote unquote. And, you know, there's millions of people trying to be actors. And I realized very early on that if I just stood in line waiting at this open call with hundreds of other actors for like the regional tour of Brigadoon mm-hmm. or whatever it was, <laughs> yeah. which I didn't even want to do. Although shout out to the everyone in the cast of the regional tour of Brigadoon. They're wonderful. <laughs> I don't want to do what you're doing, but shout out. Yeah. Um, I find the way you've spent your life a waste of time. <laughs> That's not but what I said. your props. That is not what I said. But um, it's just not what I wanted to do. Yes, yeah. And a never ending purgatory. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Please, this is on um, me now, not on you. I no, seriously, I love I love the current touring cast of Brigadoon. No, I don't know if that's even touring. Right <laughs> but um, I'm not here to talk about Brigadoon. <laughs> um, uh, Let me get this straight. So Billy's new movie is called Brigadoon. <laughs> it's about a magical land. Wait a minute, I got that wrong. So I I basically started to write for myself and. And I was good at it. And I had a live stage show that I did in New York, which is where the Billy on the Street videos started. I would show those videos on a screen. This is before YouTube even existed. This Mm -hmm. is like 2004, 2005. Um, But then an interesting thing happened where a lot of folks in the industry would come and they would acknowledge that I was talented or that they thought I was funny, that the audience was laughing a lot, that I was unique and this, that and the other thing. But it was always, you know, we don't know what to do with you. Right. Or you're very New York. And a lot of times in both overt ways and subtle ways, I was sent the message that I I was just too gay. Yeah. Right. I was being openly gay on stage. I was talking about gay sex. Now everyone's talking about gay sex. But this is 2003. Right. This is is back when you were losing roles to dinosaurs. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Dinosaurs were fucking on screen. But I wasn't allowed to. Okay. Brontosaurus on Stegosaurus was fine. Yeah, yeah, that was fine. A lot of fanboys jerking off to that. But two actual humans having sex who happened to be men was alienating. Um, so that message was sent to me many times. Uh-huh. But then what happened was the internet came along and I put my videos online. And after a little while, they went viral and very viral. And I was able to point to all of those people in the industry and say, hey, I'm not to this or to that. That, this video has millions of views. Right. These views aren't coming exclusively from gay people watching a New York City. Look at the comments. They're coming from all over the country and all over the world. And that's when they finally put me on TV. I needed those numbers to point to and say, hey, I have proof that I am not this little niche thing that you assume I am because I'm gay. Do you ever think about, let's say somehow there's a whatever a wrinkle in time and you're born uh, in the 30s or whatever, you come of age in the 40s or 1950s, and you have all the talent and ability you have now, but there's no internet, there's no, mm-hmm. there, there's no YouTube, there's no way to, you yourself take control. Do you know what you would have become? I don't know. You know, I think about that all the time, and it, it's just, 
And that weighed really heavily on me Mm -hmm. during the movie. And if you see the movie, I don't want to give it away, but I do speak to this at one point. You know, I'm 43 years old. So when the movie comes out, I'll be 44. So I'm kind of in uh, in this interesting midway point between a, a generation of LGBTQ people and gay men specifically who really saw the world change. Like when they grew up, it was such a repressed time. Mm-hmm. They, a lot of them probably probably can't even imagine the world that we live in today. You know, even though there are still problems and we're still fighting for our rights still, the evolution that has occurred is really remarkable, right? They lived through the AIDS epidemic. There's a lot to unpack there. Then you have a younger generation now and you see them all over the place of LGBTQ people and Gen Z queer kids, which is amazing. But they stepped into such a different world, such an an evolved, accepting world. And again, a world where thanks to Clarence Thomas and other like fucked up homophobic, you know, self-loathing weirdos, like we're still fighting for our rights and our rights are still very fragile. But Again, that generation, a lot to do with the Internet, you know, came of age in a time when, you know, things were, if not easy, a lot easier. And I'm kind of weirdly perched in between these two generations that have had a very different experience Mm -hmm. being LGBTQ. And I wanted the movie to speak to that in a way, because we need to acknowledge. And by the way, I'm making the movie sound like fucking, you know, out of Africa or something. Like, it's like, <laughs> it sounds so fucking serious. This is a funny Judd Apatow movie, everybody. Um, it's dinosaurs, it's Sonic the Hedgehog, it's everything you want it to be. But just speaking about it seriously for, yeah. for a moment, because it is a historic movie. Um, You know, you do have to acknowledge those generations of people and Hollywood, especially an industry which has so often patted itself on the back for being progressive and gay friendly, quote unquote. You know, it's a cliche to say that, like, everyone in Hollywood is gay, you know, that it's this progressive lefty, you know, culture. But really, when you look at the actual history of it, you know, just voting for a Democrat doesn't mean that you are treating LGBTQ people correctly on mm-hmm. the day to day. And what you see in Hollywood are generations of actors who were stuck with one of two choices, be incredibly bold and come out of the closet publicly and have your professional dreams disappear mm-hmm. because Hollywood did not give opportunities to people. They did not believe gay could play straight. They did not believe gay people want like that. The, that the majority of the audience wanted to see gay people at all. Okay, they made people uncomfortable. If you did get a role, it was hor- horribly stereotypical. You were the butt of the joke. And that was for many years the best you were going to do. Right. Or you had to live some Rock Hudson style life where if you wanted a big career as a movie star or TV star, especially if you wanted to play straight roles, which were the only roles that really existed at the time, you had to live this weird double life, pretend you were dating women publicly and then secretly live your live your secret gay life that you were not supposed to talk about, you know, that you could go live in some weird gay enclave somewhere when no one was looking, when the cameras weren't on. And I can only imagine that's the best those guys could do. That's what they were offered. Like those were their choices, but what horrible choices to have to make. Yeah. Right. And now, I don't have to make those choices, right? And bros is really a moment to celebrate the fact that we have come a really long 
way that the entire movie is made up of openly LGBTQ actors, the entire cast. It's a first. This movie is a first in many ways. And that's one of them. And that's when you look at the history of it, you know, a 20 year old queer kid now who may not know the history may say, oh, all right, well, I see gay people everywhere. They're all over my phone. They're all over TV. But if you know the history of Hollywood, especially major studio filmmaking, that is huge. That is a, a huge moment. It's very hard. I mean, and also I think you're making the point and I would agree that it's impossible to expect someone who's 20 or 22 today to completely understand because they just haven't lived it. I do get inspired by that generation, though, because I always thought I was very bold and outspoken. But they really push the boundaries, especially yeah. when it comes to sex and being very open about it and queer sex and gay sex. And and I sometimes see what's posted on Instagram from my younger gay friends. And I'm like, wow, OK. Oh, so suddenly you're the old school marm. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm like, oh, I don't think that's appropriate. I'm, I'm like Mrs. Garrett. All of a <laughs> And they're like Trudy and Natalie running wild on roller skates throughout the house. And I'm like, girls, I don't know if this is okay. <laughs> but it is okay. You're the modern Mrs. Garrett. I yes. love it. I've always wondered, what is Billy? Yes. You're the Mrs. Garrett that of our time. Yeah. R.I.P. Charlotte Ray. We both went to Northwestern, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, and if only Mrs. Garrett were alive to see bros, put that on the poster. <laughs> but, but no, there's... A, the younger kids, the younger queer kids are inspiring me. It's like, okay, we can have a few sex scenes in bros and people will will embrace that. And it's actually really fun and exciting. And it's okay. We don't have to be scared of that anymore. And um, I'm, I'm happy. I, I need that push from that generation myself a little bit. You know, you were talking about the beginning. You're meeting all this resistance. You're making these videos, but uh, you don't know. You know, I certainly had this throughout my 20s. I'm, is this going to work? Am I going to make it? Yeah. I had it into my 30s. Like, is this going to gel? Do I have a career? It's, and it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. And you, you still really haven't answered that. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you know, it's funny. I have not. And, and that's how it feels to me all the time. Yeah. But I know that early on, you did have people that saw something. I know Joan Rivers saw something yeah. in you early on and yeah. she really encouraged you, right? Yeah. Yeah, she was the greatest. Um, she, my first real TV job was a pilot for Bravo that did not get picked up. Because in 2006, if you were gay and wanted to be on TV, they shipped you off to Bravo. Um, <laughs> literally. It was like, it was, it was like, it was like an LGBTQ orphanage. It was like... You're, oh, you're talented, but you're a gay man. I just so. picture them shoving you into a giant FedEx tube and then putting Bravo on it yeah. and dropping it in, in the mail. That's literally, and, and, and it was so odd because I was on stage in New York doing, you know, this sort of Billy on the Street style persona, um, which I eventually, you know, captured in the videos that we did, but that started on stage. So it was this very absurdist subversive thing that I was doing. It mm -hmm. was not Bravo. Right. Right. But be simply because I was gay, they were like, all right, well, maybe Bravo will do something with you. <laughs> that was always the answer at the time, which is very funny. But also when you think about it, kind of fucked up, you know, right. right. I, I remember pitching a few shows to Comedy Central at the time and the shows revolved around me. So, it, it, you know, they would revolve around a, a gay man. Uh, one was a scripted show. One was Billy on the Street, I think. Mm -hmm. And... What was said to my face was, well, 
you're brilliant. We think you're hilarious. We obviously can't do that here. But I think if you go to Bravo, you'll have a home run. Yeah. Like someone said that to my face, thinking that was like a a helpful thing. Mm-hmm. And then years later, he actually apologized for it after I was successful. But um, oh, that's so, good. Was I, always, nice? I always I always do award points. Yeah, <laughs> I have. I've had people say terrible things to me in the early 90s and then come back later on. Yeah. And admit, own it and say I was wrong and then later come back and say I was right. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps coming. Yeah. And this is my dad, by the way. Oh, it's a vicious cycle. Here's the old oh. twist ending. So, this episode brought to you by O. Henry. Um, so, so anyway, so sure enough, Bravo did put me on a pilot in 2006. And the pilot was called Joan Rivers Straight Talk. And the idea was it was a primetime version of The View But instead of Barbara Walters and four different types of women, it was going to be Joan Rivers and four different types of gay men Mm -hmm. talking about pop culture and politics, a panel show, basically. And they cast me on the pilot. So Joan came to my live show. You know, I, I auditioned for it and she really liked me. And then she came to check me out on my live show. And she really just loved what I did. She really got me. Yeah. Um, and we did that pilot. Andy Cohen was on that pilot before he had his own show. He was on the panel. Um, Elsie Granderson, who was a, a sports uh, columnist, I believe, and broadcaster and, and another guy. And it didn't get picked up, unfortunately, but it was an amazing experience. And I got close with Andy Cohen, who's still a good friend. And I got really close with Joan. Mm-hmm. And she really became like a mentor to me. I mean, I could go on and on about how insanely supportive she was for no reason. The pilot didn't get picked up. She had no reason to deal with me. And yet she really was so helpful. Joan, you know, Joan, this was a few years before Joan had her resurgence, Mm -hmm. if you remember. And, you know, Joan had been blacklisted from a lot of the late night talk shows. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we know this story and she hadn't done the tonight show in many years. And Letterman hadn't had, hadn't had her on in many years. Just to refresh people's memory Mm -hmm. who don't know, it was because, uh, she had been a huge star as a guest on Johnny Carson. Guest host. Guest host. That's what I mean. A guest host. Uh, and it, I mean, those, that was appointment television when Joan Rivers was going to host the tonight show and Johnny Carson was taking a break um, and we're going way back into the eighties, but mm-hmm. it was an event because yep. she took the oxygen out of the room. She was so funny and it was a huge event. And then she went on to do her own show and that was seen as a betrayal. Yeah. Uh, she did one of the first shows on Fox. Yeah. Right. When Fox started, she did her own late night show. Johnny wasn't leaving the show, his own show at that point. So Joan went and did her own show and he got extremely mad and basically had her blacklisted from late night TV for the rest of you know, her career up until, I don't know, like 10 years before she died. Uh, and so she did have a career resurgence, though. And Letterman did have her back on. And Fallon had her on The Tonight Show for the first time in many years. Kimmel had her on. And no one knew who I was at that point. And Joan told me, she said, I'm about to do all the late night shows for the first time in decades. Put your Billy on the Street videos. Put some of your favorite ones on a DVD. And make copies and leave them at my apartment. And I am going to bring the producers of all of those shows your DVD and tell them you have to know this Billy Eichner guy. Watch these videos. She had been blacklisted from late night talk shows, which was so heartbreaking to her for decades. And on her first time back making the rounds, she reached out to me and said, 
I'm going to drop off your DVDs and let these people know who you are. And years later, after she died, when I ended up doing Letterman myself and doing Kimmel myself, I remember the showrunners at those shows said, you know what's so funny? A few years ago, Joan Rivers was here and dropped off DVDs of you and told us about you before we knew who you were. And which is just an incredible thing to do. It was so generous. Well, it's clearly she, mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, this is someone who knew talent. She had, I mean, her own story is so incredible. Yeah. Uh, And what she had to put up with and what she had to overcome. Mm -hmm. There are people who are very passionate about how it should work. And when they see someone who's good, they really feel compelled to get the word out on them, which is a great quality and not always common. Yeah. Um, I've spent a whole career trying to crush young talent. (laughs) Yeah. And you have. Successfully. There's so many, so many very talented young people that have never made it because of me. That's right. And I, and this was just me feeling insecure and I don't regret it. Uh, It was part of your strategy. It was part of my strategy and it helped elevate me to crush them. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You um, did it. Yeah. So many people, you'll never, ever see them. Never <laughs> yeah. know who they are. Yeah. I tried to crush you many times, remember? <laughs> Good luck, asshole. <laughs> Here I am in spite of you. In spite of you and the Velociraptors and Sonic the Hedgehog and the guy who ran Comedy Central and Virgin Novak, I'm still here. First time I saw Billy on the street, first time I saw Billy on the street, I was like, he's good, a little too good. He must be stopped. He must be stopped. And remember all those attempts on your life and you didn't know who was behind it? Yeah, that was, me. That was you. <laughs> well, I'm honored, honestly. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes. <laughs> well, let's be honest, you have it to spend. Have, oh I my mean, God. Oh, I, I have it. I've read the headlines, Tony. <laughs> you are rich. My God. Can we talk about this? Yeah. You were always rich, but now I think you bought three countries or something. You are very no, well. I owned, I inherited a few countries at birth. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just uh, and that's just something people should know. I, yeah. As a child, and this is very unusual in an Irish Catholic family, but I inherited nine islands in Greece. Oh, yeah, and okay. I've been holding on to them, and then I sold them. Yeah, I. You are, are, are you are a very wealthy man. I respect that about you. I was actually thinking this because who says that? I respect. <laughs> You know, well, uh, you've earned. Not your a big wealth. fan of Trump, but then I found out that he <laughs> had some money, and I'm I do respect that. <laughs> <laughs> I, but you've earned your wealth. He got it from his dad, and he's mm-hmm. also a horrible person. My father gave me nothing. So <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing. But here's what I was, all I wanted was a hug. Here's what I was gonna say. <laughs> oh, shit. Because there are, you know, there's a question of whether there's a question of whether you know straight people will go see bros, right? Yes. There's like this big question mark question mark hanging over the movie. And I really hope straight people do go see bros because it's really, really funny and we need you to go see it, right? Because we want to make money at the box office so that people keep making these movies and, you know, we prove to the world that, you know, this is a good thing. We need more of it, that this is a, you know, a, a worthwhile uh, venture to keep making movies about gay people. But instead of a lot of straight people going Conan, we could just have you buy one $20 million ticket. I'll do it. To go see it. I'll do it. And that's as much as we need. That's Is our the whole ticket made weekend of right gold? There. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and rainforest wood? That's all it would take. 
Um, I'll do it. Thank you. No, but also, you know, I, let me reassure you. First of all, um, you claim I have all this money. Sona will tell you I've made some terrible investments. <laughs> yeah, you uh, have. Really, really bad investments. Right. I bought up uh, all the VHS machines about right. eight years oh, ago. Because wow. I thought that was coming back. Yeah. Um, I've I, done some terrible, terrible. I had to loan him a lot of money. Yeah. Oh. yeah. She loaned and me I'm money. And I'm his assistant. Yeah, yeah. That's I have, but she has it now because, well, anyway, she's, <laughs> she's got all the money. Off his um, back. Yeah. And also you embezzled from me and you're not even a good embezzler, but I'm yeah. so stupid about money that you got away with it. I told you I was embezzling. Yeah. And, and you... I didn't know what that word meant. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why she's not in prison because they said she did tell you she was embezzling. And I was like, well, I didn't know what it meant. I thought that meant she just had warm, fuzzy feelings. <laughs> I'm all embezzly about you. But uh, no, I, I'll tell you, first of all, Billy, in, in my opinion, and I believe this passionately, you are funny first. Before I know anything else about you, yeah. you're just funny. And in my experience, that is what everyone's hungry for. They're hungry for a movie or a television show or a moment or performance that is funny. You're also... Uh, a talented actor. And I know I have not seen this film yet, but I'm going to go see this movie. Thank and you. I know that you are going to uh, be very relatable and this is going to be good and it's going to be very funny, but also uh, touching in moments. And I think that that is the home run. You're, yeah. you're super talented. And, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, no, I, and it is, it's a- it's weird to say about my own movie, but I've now watched a lot of, you know, early audiences at screenings react to it. It is a really fucking funny movie. Like it is a. Again, with the language. Uh, it is a. Well, I'm <laughs> when a sorry. straight person swears. I it's okay. established. Oh, Didn't didn't George Carlin say it. that? I think. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so weird. What a weird hill for me to die on. <laughs> yeah. Only straight people. Everything. You're like, I haven't pissed. Uh, yeah. yeah. But just like, you know, this is one thing I'm not backing down on. After 30 years, this takes you down. Yeah, this takes you, I just think only straight people should swear. I don't know why I'm Nixon again, but I believe only straight people should swear. Those are the current topical references that you listen to this podcast to hear. I meant Cynthia Nixon. That's what I meant. I never said Richard Milhouse, but this is how Cynthia Nixon talks now. Uh, uh, why? Because she's gay. I'm leaving, Conan. Not all lesbians talk like Richard Nixon, regardless of what you think. You're, you're tired of that old trope? Exactly. You're so tired of that old trope that all lesbians talk like Richard all Nixon. All lesbians talk like Richard Nixon and all gay men fuck like LBJ. It's just not true. It's just not true. No matter what Hollywood wants you to think. Holderman, Erlkman, let's all get in the car and go see Thelma and Louise. That's the story for us, boys. And we'll get back to the water gang and get that safe cracked. <laughs> what a strange joke. It's what a weird, what a weird yeah. run. Joke. Yeah, what a weird yes. run. 
You're, you're like, don't worry, Billy. You're relatable, just like me and my lesbian sound like Richard Nixon material. <laughs> so relatable. You're welcome, Middle America. Uh, you're the. I'm the next Jeff Fox. Now I, I'm worried. I just hurt bros. We're gonna be like, I don't want to go see that. Nixon's a lesbian in this movie, and he's he's being raped by a dinosaur. Pat Nixon fucked Sonic the Hedgehog and bros. That's the first LGBTQ rom-com. What's happened to Apatow? He's lost his mind. Uh, Damn. You know what? This is why your movie is uh, going to be great and you're going to do well is because you are a uh, man. You are uh, funny in an otherworldly uh, supernatural way. And it doesn't, that's the thing that I think comes first. That's what you have. And then you're using it, I think, to tell this story. But mm -hmm. you know that rule number one is uh, the work. Oh, yeah. And when when Nick Stoller and Judd and I sat down and started working on the movie, no one ever thought this is a historic movie. It's the first gay this or the first gay that. We didn't even know at the time. Right. You know, we just said, what happened to great comedies that make people laugh out loud consistently for an hour and 45 minutes that also move you and are feel good movies. You know, like that genre of movie has disappeared. You know, I grew up with all these great romantic comedies, as did Nick and as did Judd. They're straight. I'm gay. But we bonded over our love for movies like Moonstruck and uh, when Harry Met Sally and Working Girl and Broadcast News, which is like one of my favorite movies me ever. Me too. And, Absolutely. And genius, Tootsie. Yeah. And they've stopped making those movies about straight people. Forget gay people. They don't even make that kind of sophisticated, really funny, smart, moving film about straight people anymore. They've never made them about gay people. So in a way, bros, while being historic and very new, because it happens to be about a gay couple, it's also a throwback to those types of romantic comedies, which they simply do not make. Yeah. And when I watch an audience watch bros, that's the experience they're having. And on top of it, it's also unlike anything a lot of people have ever seen because of the LGBTQ of it all. But they're also just Realizing, oh, wow, it's so fun to go to a movie theater and be swept away by a movie like that. Mm -hmm. You know, are you able to connect with that moment when you think about all you've been through and all the years where it wasn't happening and you're out on the street? Uh, yeah, <laughs> literally out on the street literally. trying to make it happen. And they're trying to put you into a FedEx envelope to send you to Bravo. Yep. <laughs> and now you're having this moment. Are you able to connect to it? Because it isn't a given that you can. Right. You would understand that because, I mean, part of being me is that I really care about doing a good job, mm -hmm. especially with this movie. Like the pressure is on for me personally. It's my first big movie. But then I also have my whole community, you know, waiting to see how I'm going to represent them. And then I have the industry waiting to see how it's going to do. So there was a lot of pressure. Any movie's a lot of pressure, right? Especially yeah. a comedy. It's really hard to make a lot of strangers laugh. But this movie had all these other things that were on my mind too. And I, but you know what? This was such a special, rare experience, this movie. And I did think about all those generations of LGBTQ folks in Hollywood who did not get this opportunity, who would have just I mean, who would just be shocked to see that this was happening and the mm -hmm. fact that I was getting it and this whole cast of openly LGBTQ actors that we were getting this opportunity. And, you know, there was a moment we were 
filming me and Luke McFarlane. He plays my boyfriend in the movie. And we were filming a scene, this sort of classic New York rom-com walk and talk on Central Park West. Mm-hmm. And we were filming it. And I thought, this is Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. You know, this is Woody Allen and Diane Keaton. This is all those movies I grew up watching, like all those New York rom-coms. But it's about a, two gay guys. And no one has ever had this experience. It's being produced by the same studio that makes Jurassic World and Fast and the Furious and the same guy who made Bridesmaids and all these movies that I love. And I thought I literally told myself, you better fucking pause right now. Yeah. And look around because this is special. Like this is a magical thing and you get to be a part of it and you need to take five minutes to stop worrying about it being good and all the things you want it to be, which is very hard for me, but you need to just live in this moment because it really, it's, it's very unique. I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you had that moment. And then I screamed at the crew to get back to work (laughs) and let me have my magical moment. (laughs) What are you eating? Where'd you get that profiterole? (laughs) We're not paying for that slap. The moment is for me, not you. (laughs) Look, you had me because that was a nice moment, but then you Thank were you. cruel to people who work for you. I'm sorry. And that is my mantra. Oh. oh, I thought you were going a different direction. With Quiet, that. Sona. <laughs> I'm speaking. There we go. Okay, that, that, that makes sense. No, I, 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 I didn't do that. I know. We know yes. you didn't do it. And I didn't really ever treat you badly, Sona. He did. He did. Quiet. Um, sh- please, cut her mic. <laughs> I make sure I, I tell people because, um, you know, we don't even really talk that much on this podcast, we don't, uh, it's funny. It's not like the late night show where I always end by saying, oh, and here's where you can see. It's it's not really about projects so much. This, uh, I definitely want to get the word out because Bros is in theaters. It's uh, coming September 30th. and Only in theaters. Don't be a lazy bitch. You got to get up <laughs> off your couch. You got to actually leave your house and go to a movie theater to see it. But I am telling you, that's what makes it an incredible experience. I think we've all convinced ourselves. I did, too, especially during COVID, that watching a movie at home is the same or maybe even better. I am telling you, I have now sat through all these screenings of bros at multiplexes all over the country It is we have forgotten how much fun it is to sit in a dark theater with strangers and escape our bleak anxiety ridden lives and all the horrible headlines and just lose ourselves and laugh for two hours with hundreds of people in a movie theater. Oh, I've the times recently that I've gone back into a movie theater. I've been ecstatic. It it is. I I, I love it. It is so fun. Yeah. And this movie especially is a really special one to experience. It really is historic. And, um, you know, I, I really hope everyone checks it out. Well, they will. I will. I'm looking forward to it. September 30th, uh, which is in just a couple of days. What did you say? Don't be a lazy bitch. I think that's the motto here. Don't be a lazy bitch. All right. Conan <laughs> retired, that lazy ass. <laughs> I didn't retire. I'm talking to you. I'm not at home. That's true. Eating cookies. I want to be, but I'm here getting the word out on bros. I'm working as hard as I ever did. Uh, I want to buy those Greek islands back. I had to sell them. Um, hey, uh, you know, it's so strange because sometimes I have this overwhelming impulse and we've talked about this sooner where I want to tell someone I'm proud of them. And I think that's weird because if I'm proud of somebody, it usually is reserved for, you know, I'm your dad or Mm -hmm. I was instrumental at the beginning. No, 
I've <laughs> I've famously tried to crush your dreams <laughs> at every turn, but I really am. I'm I'm proud Thank of you. you. You're you're a very good person. I, I think you're a really principled creator, and you're very talented. Thank you. And you're doing uh, something. Yes, it's important, but uh, your work is also very good. Thanks. And um, so it's an honor to sit with you. Honor sir. to sit with you. And you were, all jokes aside, a real early adopter um, and uh, a real early supporter of mine. And I really have always appreciated it. Well, thank you. I, it's funny because we make these jokes and then I can just imagine people thinking, <laughs> Conan really tried to have Billy killed. <laughs> That'd Which, be such a strange choice. Honestly, I, I could use the headlines. So lean in. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what I've been through as a gay man. I couldn't get married. I couldn't have children. And then Conan O'Brien tried to assassinate me. <laughs> That's the stuff you always had to cut out of Billy on the streets was ninjas attacking you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which you should have kept in, by the way, because that was the, I thought, very funny uh, Really addition. funny bit. Uh, Billy, continued success. Please come back. Thank I you. I love it when you're here. Thank you. And uh, I'm so happy for you. Really. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Go see bros. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. Play. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, yeah. find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self Setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. 
When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. I just want your opinion on something. Uh, I've been very happily married for a long time now to my lovely wife, Liza. You've I known love, Liza for a very long Liza. time. Gorley, yeah. you've met Liza. She's wonderful. Wonderful person. She's right. And um, what's I'm that? sorry. Yeah, whatever this is, she's right. Whatever this she's is, right. she's right. Okay, well, here's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> so we grew Thanks up different. Okay, we grew up differently. Oh, yeah. She grew up in a very sensible home, okay? <laughs> uh-huh. She has one sister. Everything, when you go to their home, it's very sensible. They're lovely people. They're sane. Everything you know, just, just so. And you contrast that with the way that I grew up. And again, I love my parents and, uh, and my siblings, but, uh, there was a lot of us. And, uh, we, we, when my parents would go to the grocery store, they would, uh, first of all, before we could go with them, they would have to buy a lot of food. Oh, yeah. And then when, when we could go, we of course were just terrible rotten kids. And we would just throw because there's so many grocery carts because there's so many people in the family. My grandmother lived with us and we would throw all kinds of crud into the grocery cart that we could, you know, process junk food. And my mother would try to weed it all out at the checkout line. But of course you can't, it's too much. And we, she's weeding some of it out, but we're sneaking it back in. And um, then we get home and there's, you know, literally just awful, you know, cheese flavored, puffed up (laughs) stuff made by, uh, you know, filled with chemicals called, dippity dappity doo doos <laughs> stuff that they later found out was just chock full of dangerous toxic chemicals <laughs> and that it's now in a landfill somewhere oh. uh, but anyway so that was the kind of way I grew up so uh, and we were voracious eaters and still you've seen me eat it's Sona terrifying. it's terrifying I it's eat- like yeah you eat like you have siblings looming over you yeah I eat really quickly so anyway I was the other day hanging out with, with Liza and she just mentioned she said yeah I'm off I'm off to the market and get some stuff and I went great great so I'm just whatever as you do you regress and I'm getting hungry and I'm thinking about her coming in with bags and bags of just like food. And I'm forgetting that I married this sensible person, yeah. you know? And uh, so I'm imagining there's going to be Doritos. Oh no. And uh, Captain Crunch and just a giant, <laughs> a giant roast turkey that's got gravy on it already. <laughs> and uh, there's going to be, you know, some, some Swedish fish. Oh. And then there's going to be like three milkshakes and a couple of hamburgers oh, that have been- Oh my pre- God, you, know, you sound I, like I'm, you're high I'm just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is, yeah. she comes in and she's all happy. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, good. What'd you get? And she said, well, I got some fresh almonds <laughs> and I got some blackberries. Oh. <laughs> you know what? Liza isn't right. No, but then I found out in her defense. And so I'm like, what? I'm what? And then I found out that she went to the farmer's market. Uh-huh. But still, yeah. even if I went to the farmer's market, if I got almonds and blackberries, I would, I don't know, on the way home, I'd stop at a 7-Eleven <laughs> and I'd force them at gunpoint to make me a ham sandwich. <laughs> using pieces of Slim Jim, you know? Like, I would do something 
to because I couldn't do it. So I'm now I'm getting really hungry. And she went, oh, it's fine. You know, I see her eating a couple of nuts and hmm, I'm drinking a little tea with it. And then I'm having my blackberries and everything's just and I know that her parents would be like, oh, yes, good for you. You know, yes. <laughs> You're so angry. And, you know, we we her parents were like, well, there's two of us. So we'll have two children. And that just evens things out. <laughs> now, uh, six almonds for each of you. Oh. And let's have some tea. And that was good. Everyone take a nap. This goes but first, deeper. a walk around the yeah. pond. Oh, this goes And deeper. in my family, yeah, it's... <laughs> Do you resent Liza for getting so much attention and love from when she was young and you had yes, to share it? With... Yes, doctor. Yes, okay. That's... Yes. So this is yes. not about almonds and blackberries. Well, it kind of is. Because when you're hungry and you're 6'4", Right, 198 yeah. pounds of pure muscle. Oh, okay. okay. Well, I've been Already. to your house, and you guys always have a lot of good food. I know. I was just in this moment looking at it. Was just making. I was looking at these almonds, raw almonds, not even salted oh, and okay. roasted. That's yeah. problematic. Raw, because <laughs> roasted an almond mm, that might have some dangerous mm, nutrients in there. <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, you, no, are, you are charged. No, I'm just. Uh, am I wrong? And so no, I actually. She cares I, about your I health. Cupped, I cupped my hands and I put some almonds in there and I That's put so a few sad. blackberries. And so I really did feel like I was someone who had been. My plane had gone down three weeks ago, <laughs> and I had wandered through through. And I was about to die, but I found a couple of nuts and a couple of berries. And I was like, blah, 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 and just was stuffing them into my face. Oh, man. And then oh. people came, were coming over then, and they were like, oh, hey, Conan. And I'm like, <laughs> and I had blackberry around my lips. I was like, ah. You know, when a vampire sees a crust, I was like, don't touch my blackberries. And of course, she's perfectly fine. She's like, well, oh man, am I stuffed? If she brought home Doritos and like a ham sandwich made of Slim Jims, you would have eaten it. You would have been really happy. Then afterwards, you would have been really upset at yourself, wouldn't you? Uh, no. Okay, I would have blacked okay. out in a reverie. I remember when you I and I- I would have awoken in a, I would have awoken uh, in like with a sensual high. I remember oh, when God. you and I ate the McRib Oh, that was, once. okay. Well, let's not get in trouble with a major company. Is it? Are they, why what? why can't we sponsor? talk about McDonald's? I love McDonald's, let's but their McRib is Let's not get in trouble with a major garbage. company? What? I have never offended- the thing I've ever <laughs> I've never offended a major company. <laughs> I don't ever want to hear it from you Again. Let's not get in trouble with a mate. You wouldn't even name the name of the company. I'm loving it. Apology. I'm loving it. Oh my God. Let's I'm not get in trouble with it. a major company. Do, 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 do. Don't do that. I'm loving it. What a sellout. You're such a sellout. Oh my God. Oh my God. Biggest uh, weenie I've ever yeah. met. I will not offend any group of white men that have formed a corporate concern for profit. They shall be protected on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Oh my God. That's why you're mad at Liza. She didn't bring home a Big Mac. Yeah. Oh my God. I could have killed a Big Mac. Man, that company does it right. Always have. God. And always will. I'm a Burger King fan myself. Yeah. Uh, well, them too. Uh, well, you can't go wrong with those big companies. I'm a Taco Bell boy. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know who's good at drilling for oil? Texaco. <laughs> In my opinion, 
Keep at it, fellas. Get that liquid gold. Yep. Anywho, uh, no, I think my wife's right. And in her defense, she was just going to the farmer's market, but she's always been that way. I think on our first date, I said, you want to get lunch? And she said, oh, I'm okay. I just had two walnuts and some green tea. And... I almost jumped out a window because for me, lunch involves at least four whole hams. <laughs> a been, family, been, a family of pigs. A family of pigs. Dad, a mom, and they've been, and they've been dipped in caramel. Oh my God. Anyway, my apologies to my in-laws and my wife. And to McDonald's. And to no, ham. no apology to McDonald's. Wait, what? I said the McRib was garbage. It's not garbage. That's pretty bad. It's not, liar. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I'm loving it. Keep making those McRibs. Whatever you do is right. Well, anyway, now on to Bell Helicopters, <laughs> maker of military helicopters and damn good ones. We're done. Stop. All right. I'm okay, done here. Good. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Becton. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been... A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. <laughs>